Um, yes, my name is Pastor Linda, and I am one of the pastors here for the great family and ministry. Whoo! Um, it is a joy to be here. And it is our fourth, someone said to me before church started, are we still doing worship? You go, yeah, you bet. Worship, it's kind of an important topic. So this is our fourth week talking about worship. And if you've missed a few weeks or this is your first time here, let me catch you up just a little bit. Chris taught us a bit on how we have to worship with our whole beings. Not just our heads, not just our hearts, not just our voices, but every little part of us. And then Pastor Danny reminded us that worship has Jesus at its center. And it involves all of our activities and our lifestyles. And last week, Pastor Hojin, he helped us look at King David. And when the Ark of the Covenant came into Jerusalem, and how he worshipped, and how our worship must focus on God's presence and his promises, and that it needs to be a part of our daily activities, no matter where we spend Monday to Saturday. So now you're caught up, and now we're going to look at Sunday. So we're going to look at worship from the perspective of what happens here on a Sunday, or whenever we gather. Now, often the word is used of corporate worship. Don't really like that term. It's a little formal and stuffy. But it means when we all come together. So let me ask you a question. When you hear the word corporate worship, or Sunday worship, what are the first few words that pop in your mind? Yeah, I'd love to hear them. Shout them out. Joy, good. Singing, yep. People? Seems pretty obvious. I bet there's lots of other things going through your minds that you're not willing to say out loud. Because there are some Sundays where you kind of go, hmm, I'm not sure I'm really ready to be with a group of people. But we're going to talk about what happens when we all gather. And we'll see what, how our words, impressions of Sunday corporate worship can be changed. Theodore Roosevelt said, You may worship God anywhere, at any time, but the chances are that you will not do so unless you have first learned to worship him somewhere, in some particular place, at some particular time wise man. So before we look at our scripture for today, let's turn to the Holy Spirit to guide us. And we do that, Holy Father. We turn to you for your wisdom. We turn to you, Lord Jesus, that you may be renewed in our hearts as we delve into your word and what gathering for worship means and how it can transform us. So we open our ears and our hearts to what you want to speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are going to turn to one of the Psalms, Psalm 84. And as you open it up on your app or open your Bible to it, it will also be on the screen. But a little bit of background on this Psalm is it was written for the people who did not live in Jerusalem. So this was written at a time when you had to go to Jerusalem to to be with God. But lots of people did not live there. And so this is a psalm that 
people would talk about how they can hardly wait to get back there, to get into the presence of God, to get back to the temple, to get back to worship. And they only did it on festivals or times that they had commitments, they had to be there. But this is how they felt between those times, between their Sunday worships. So I'll read Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young. A place near the altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper at the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Now, one of the amazing, mind-boggling things about worship is that people have been gathering to worship God for thousands of years. Last week, we looked at King David, but it had been thousands of years from today back. Same God, same worship. And it's quite extraordinary to think about that. In the Old Testament, they talk about psalms of praise, laments, dancing, vows, lots of instruments, confessing sins, all those basics of worship that we still do today. Now that continued, and when Jesus came on earth over 2,000 years ago, he did the same kind of worship. That's still our foundation. And then he added a few more parts to that. And to me, it's kind of like a tree. These are our roots happening for thousands of years. And Jesus added a few more of those roots. He added communion, he added baptism, and he added the Lord's Prayer. All parts of our worship still today, which is extraordinary when you think of that. And then as Christianity started to evolve, it says in Acts chapter 2, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, communion, prayer, praising God. That's what we still do, don't we? We're a teaching, we've had fellowship. Once a month, we break the bread together, we pray, we praise God. So for thousands of years, that's the root of what we do when we come here. It means this worship has so much depth, it can't end. Because the roots are too deep and too broad. Well, the churches always argue about things, don't they? Maybe you come from a church that has had arguments in the past, even splits. But that core of gathering to worship, the roots of worship, never change. They can't. 
So today in Cornerstone, we build on that worship. On those roots. So let's say we're the trunk. Let's play this little game today. We're the trunk. Understand the roots. You can't see them, but they're going on for thousands of years, and we still do them. In Hebrews 12, it gives you another image of this, that therefore, since we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked before us. Those cloud of witnesses. So I want you to think back to this morning. Whether your alarm went off or you're one of those people that wakes up without an alarm and you realized it was Sunday, how did you feel? Which of these two pictures did you feel like knowing it was Sunday? Woohoo! Sunday! Oh, Sunday. Are you going to church today? I don't know. You're probably one or the other. And I think that's interesting. And it's, you know what? That's because we're human. I want to tell you a story of when I was a little kid. We went to church every Sunday. And uh, one Sunday, one weekend, we had cousins visit that we didn't see very often. And they didn't go to church. So as our family was getting ready to go to church, I thought, well, I'd rather stay here and play with my cousins. And so I thought, you know what? What if my parents and sisters just left without me and I'll just stay here? But I didn't ask anyone about that. My solution as a little kid was to hide in the closet. Because they would just go to church. And I'd then come out of the closet and play with my cousins. Well, my parents had a big closet, hid in the corner. I think I may have even fallen asleep. I'm not quite sure. I kind of missed them searching frantically for me because I was gone. I kind of missed the police arriving because they had said, our daughter, we can't find our daughter. I kind of missed that. Or maybe I've just blocked it out of my memory. But boy, I didn't want to go to church that Sunday, but boy, I never did that again. But sometimes we have that feeling, don't we? I don't really want to go. I think I'll just stay in the closet. I'll just stay at home. That's so human. And that's why this psalm, I love how it starts at the beginning of our passion for God's house. And it starts out with, my soul yearns, even faints to be there. So as you walked here, were you yearning for worship? Was your soul going, oh, this is going to be amazing? Or were you running in late, <laughs> as we all do? Are you ready to encounter God when you walked in the door? R.T. Kendall, an author and a pastor, said, a vital ingredient of worship is expectancy, believing that something good is going to happen. So if we walk down those stairs and enter into this room expecting something to happen and our soul is yearning, we will encounter God as we worship. It will completely change how we approach our gathering here. So instead of saying, oh, here we go again, 90 minutes, and then I can have lunch with my friends, yearn to be here for worship. And it, this song goes on in verse 2. It talks about crying out for the living God. And so once our souls have been yearning him, then we arrive here, are we crying out to encounter God while we're here? You know, we sit, and then we stand to sing, and we greet everybody, not everybody, that would take too long. We sit for announcements and offerings, and then sermon, and then we stand again. Is each one of those movements a cry out to God, like the psalmist talks about? It can be. Or are we an automatic pilot, up and down, up and down? 
listen, don't fall asleep. We will not encounter God on autopilot, as the psalmist says. And verse 4 says, blessed are those who dwell in your house, they are ever praising you. So we will be blessed. We are happy when we're praising God, when we gather for worship. I was listening to or watching a webinar a couple weeks ago, and Jonathan David, who's one of the um, one of the musicians, one of the writers at Bethel, said that no matter what type of worship, no matter where this worship is happening, a few things happen during worship, and that's the whole time we're gathered here, not just the singing. It carries us to the presence of God in worship. And the gathering also provides a vessel for God and the Holy Spirit to heal people. It's amazing what worshiping together can do. Paul David Tripp says it another way. Corporate worship is designed to remind you again and again of the right here, right now, presence, promises, and power of your Redeemer. That's why we cry out to him while we're here. Because we're reminded of that. So as we enter in with a yearning soul, praising God and our hearts crying out, we will be open to being reminded of the presence, the promises, and the power of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Now, if you've lost that, if you're in a service, and if you're in worship and you say, I'm not feeling that at all, then it's a pause time to help refocus your soul, refocus your heart of why we're here. Now, this psalm continues, and I love these verses. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength, till each appears before God in Zion. Now, historically, the pilgrimage would have been for the people coming to Jerusalem to the temple. For us, it's every week. Every week we leave worship, and then we're on a journey, aren't we? And sometimes our journey is happy weeks, and sometimes they're not. You know, these verses talk about the Valley of Baca. There's no such place as Valley of Baca. Never has been. Shocking, I know. But it represents, Baca is the same root as weeping. Now, we all have had valleys of weeping, haven't we? And it also refers to a very dry area. And we all have had weeks that have been dry. And maybe your past week has had some of those. Dry periods, weeping periods. Whether you're at home, at school, at work, with your family, we all have these kind of times. And I love that these verses are plural, which means we're on this pilgrimage, on this journey together. And that is part of coming together to worship. Because you can be out there, not around any Christians, and be really dry and have a really difficult week. And you enter here. And I want you to look around. Look forward first of all the people sitting in front of you. Look to your left. All the people sitting, seriously, look to your left. All the people sitting over there. Look to your right. All the people sitting over there. Okay, that's the wall, but. (laughs) Now, look behind you. Look at all the people there. Look up at the people in the balcony and people in the balcony. Look down at the people down here. 
No matter what kind of week you've had, we're all on this journey together, and we come to worship together to be reminded of that. You are not alone. I want you to say that to yourself. I am not alone. I am not alone. And coming together in worship reminds us of that. Psalm 73 says, when I tried to understand all of this, all of this, all that goes on outside in our week, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. And that's what we do here. We are reminded that on this journey, on this pilgrimage, we're not alone. Remember that when you're out in your week, that you have people here you are worshiping with that are on a journey also. And we are pools and water to each other's dry spots. And we come on Sunday to be reminded of that and to refresh each other. So because of this shared pilgrimage, it brings welcome relief relief to us. So we can go from strength to strength, as it says in verse 7. I love that phrase. I often say that to myself when I'm going through difficult times. Okay, Linda, strength to strength, strength to strength. And God brings us that. Now, here's my mental image of strength to strength. About a decade ago, Jeff and our son Chris and myself were going hiking. And we've always hiked with our family, with our kids. Our daughter was on co-op, so she wasn't coming with us. And when I'm talking hiking, these are like five to seven days, everything on your back kind of hiking. I love those. (laughs) Now, this one was great. We were going to do the northern tip of the Appalachian Trail. You know, the one that comes through Massachusetts and keeps going? Just the northern tip, just five or six days. We had everything on our backs. We had our, someone had brought our car way down and we were eventually going to get to our car. And away we went. First day was beautiful. Set up the tent by the lake, lovely. The next day was great until it started to rain. And then it rained. And I'm not talking a nice gentle rain. This was some of the worst rain I'd ever been in. It lasted three days before we bailed off the trail. But it was so bad that at some point I slipped and hit my, t- my toe. Even though I was in my big hiking boots, I still broke my toe. Nail came off. It was really ugly. Still doesn't bend right. So this is how severe this trail was. And I have a very clear memory of standing where this trail probably used to be, but now it was mostly water. For as far as I could see, it felt. Except for these rocks, every once in a while would be sticking out. So when we hike, Jeff would always be first, and I'd always be in the back, and the kids in the middle. So our son, I have to tell you, is 6'4". You know Jeff, he's taller than I am. So they have very long legs. I do not have very long legs. And so they're going along these rocks and on their way, and I'm just standing there. And this was a Baca moment. I'm weeping, going, I cannot do this. I, I, my head couldn't figure out how to do this. And then our son turned around, and he said, Mom, he said, there's a rock on your left. Can you see that one? Yeah, I can see it. He said, you can get to that one. So I did. Big step, stepped on this rock. Okay, and then he said, okay, Mom, look on your right over there. See that one? It's kind of black. Yeah, I said, you can reach that one. So I took a step there. He walked me rock by rock through that part of the path. That, to me, is my image of strength to strength. And we do that together, strength to strength. 
So this psalm kind of wraps up talking about how we also come into worship in humility. Because it uses amazing words of I'd rather just be on the doorstep than be anywhere else. We don't walk in demanding, we come in expecting. The words in this psalm that give us that image of God and how we come in with humility is Lord Almighty, the living God, the King, the Son, and shield, who gives us life and protects us. And he's trustworthy. So the more we understand who God is, that we worship here, that has been worshipped for thousands of years, the more we can approach worship in humility. Psalm 95 says, Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Remember, it's not I'm the person in his pasture. It's all of us together. And that should be our posture as we enter in, as our hearts yearn to gather for worship as the flock under his care. We are blessed when we praise him. We're his people. When I was in seminary, the chair of the Old Testament department brought out this amazing book that was all about seeing Jesus in the Psalms, and it's called After God's Own Heart. And this is what he says about Psalm 84. It reminds us of the passion to be in God's presence and highlights the commitment to strengthen those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. That's worship here today. That's worship every time we gather. So let's return to the tree for a moment. We've got the roots, thousands of years, holding us up. But you know, a tree just doesn't have roots in a trunk. If you look up, there are all the branches. And I think the amazing thing also about worship is that all around the world, in every corner, people are worshiping. It's not just us in this room. And that's extraordinary, I think. There's a Swedish proverb that shares a shared joy is a double joy. And I find double joy in knowing that there are brothers and sisters all around the world also with the same roots worshiping. There's probably some differences in the services, always are, but the same roots are there, no matter where you go in the world. And it's kind of like Revelation 7 that says, After I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and languages, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. That's what's happening now. We're just not in the same place. It's all around the world. Now, I want you to think, if you have been at Cornerstone for a while, you used to worship with some people that are no longer here, don't you? They graduated, found a job somewhere else. So think of them and smile. They're part of the branches. Now, in another part of the world. Now, I've been fortunate to worship in other cultures, and it is amazing because it's a glimpse of all these branches. Here's a couple examples I've been able to worship in a little mud hut around Lake Titicaca. And they're speaking Quechua, which is an Aboriginal name, um, language that very few people know how to speak. But just with the singing and the passion, I could feel the Spirit of God there. And I worshiped with them, despite not knowing at all what was going on other than we were worshiping the same God. I've been in Spanish churches in, in Bolivia that were large. And the great thing about Spanish is it's very, if you read the letters, you can 
you know how to pronounce it? So I could sing the worship songs. I only know a couple words in Spanish. But I was worshiping in another language, in a different place. Same God, same roots. I've been part of a worship service in a large orphanage in mainland China, a rare openly Christian one, and heard all ages, from wee little to the older ones, worshiping God in a language that I would never understand. But you can worship, because all the branches are the same root. And right before we left Hong Kong, the week before, I was with a group of international pastors. And we were in a church building that was um, almost done. It had been under construction. So we actually gathered. We're all in hard hats because it was still a construction zone. And we just wanted to bless the church as it was almost ready to be opened. And we all prayed together, out loud, whatever we wanted in whatever our language was. And it was powerful worship. That's the branches, all from the same root. Now, what about you? Where have you been blessed to enter into worship that isn't Cornerstone? Probably didn't look like this. Same roots, same God. I hope that you were able to enter into true worship but you weren't, and you weren't thrown off by things that were different, but your heart felt the things that were the same, no matter where you are. Now, earlier, I... I I said that the Lord's Prayer is one of those things that Jesus added into our roots. And lots of churches say it a lot. Some say it every once in a while. But to me, it is the prime example of the whole idea of worship having roots, because Jesus gave it to us, and we're doing it here, and it's the Lord's Prayer is said all around the world. So we're going to do that today. We're going to say it together. Now, it's a very um, a more modern English version that I'm going to put on the screen that I'm going to say. I want you to say it whatever way you normally do. I was raised with the thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and I often default to that, but I do like this one. I also want you to do it in whatever language you would like to do it in. I'm going to do it in Canadian, eh? So, <laughs> so we're going to do this. Because this is our roots, this is our trunk here today, and this is said in every branch around the world. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Thank you. I think the Lord's Prayer, like many other things, should be done from your heart, your heart language, how you like to say it. And that's the amazing thing about worship. We can come together and do that. So it's wonderful to think that the whole world of Christians are doing this. And it's encouraging for us to know that, that there are others worshiping. But I also want to know that you are an encouragement to others around the world. There are 47 countries in this world that list less than 10% Christians. We worship for them. There's actually 13 countries in the world that are listed with less than 1% of a Christian population. We worship 
for those teeny branches. We worship for them. Now I asked the question at the beginning, what words would you use to describe corporate Sunday worship? I'm not going to ask you to call them out, but my prayer is that you have more positive words, more words that stir your heart to walk in the door yearning next week, that you come in ready to find God, come in with humility. So we're going to end the sermon, this part of worship, with some words by John Ortberg. Amazing author, amazing pastor. What I want you to do is just read these yourself first. Now, if those resonate with your heart and your soul, I'd like us to say them all together as kind of our prayer to wrap up learning about what this worship is all about. Okay? I need to worship because without it, I can forget that I have a big God beside me and live in fear. I need to worship Because without it, I can forget his calling and begin to live in a spirit of self-preoccupation. I need to worship because without it, I lose a sense of wonder and gratitude and pride through the life. I need to worship because my natural tendency is for self-reliance and stubborn independence. Lord, we need to worship. We're so grateful that we can walk in this door. And Father, I just pray that each week as we come down these stairs and in that door, we yearn for you. When we're here, we cry out to you. We feel that we are being blessed as we praise, we encounter you. We remember that we are on this journey together. And we are refreshed when we are with our brothers and sisters. And at the foundation of it all, we enter in humility. Of who you are, Lord Jesus and what you have done to make it possible for us to worship. In Jesus' name, amen.